0: Welcome to the podcast on music, art, and culture. I'm your host, Matthijs de Bruin. Music and art grasp me. And in this podcast series, I try to find out why. This episode, my guest is Scott Pearson. Welcome to the podcast. We met on, um, while I was in university at the HKU, that's the University of the Arts in Utrecht. Right. And uh, you were a master's uh, student and I were a bachelor's student at the time. Indeed. And um, we took some courses together and they were always interesting. So could you tell me how you ended up in that classroom?
1: Well, I um, was pretty unhappy with um, the politics in America. And I also was unhappy with my job situation because I had worked for Discovery. For almost 20 years, a little over 20 years. And then one day I got a letter in the mail saying, Well, uh, Discovery has sold their music division,
0: okay. and
1: uh, and you're out of a job. Oh. And, and because Discovery was my only client, I didn't take a lot of time and effort energy to, to build up a big uh, list of clients that I could go to. So I didn't work very much for uh, a few years. When I did work, it was on great sort of high-end projects, But it was very different working once or twice a year for a few weeks, you know, when you score stuff, than working all the time. And when I was with Discovery, I was working all the time. I have about 2,000 copyrights. If you look on IMDb, there's over 200 shows. They're not great shows. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot. (laughs) There are a lot of really bad shows. That's the sad thing is if you look up the actual, like, ranking, they are five or six or seven, you know. But, um, But they played all the time. So... I got enough royalties where I thought, you know, if I get the opportunity to do something else, I will. And then when Trump got elected, I was just like, I cannot handle this. And uh, and I wanted to get a master's degree anyways, hmm. so I looked up uh, opportunities overseas, and HKU was the easiest, and I got uh, the Holland Scholarship okay. uh, so that I didn't have to pay full price. and. Yeah, you know, I liked the people, and uh, even though my dad's British, they had brexited me, so I wasn't going to go back to the UK. No, yeah, true. Um, so I thought I would take a chance, and the and the interesting thing is, is that I'm I think I actually like it better than even the UK, uh, because um, once you get past the language, um, which is not that big of a problem. But it's in, it's belongerike to there in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, but um, once you get past that, I find the Dutch people are amazing. The, the musicians are just as good as any uh, American composers, and but just underserved. You know, it's a small country, yes. so
0: that's that's definitely a problem within the. Uh, The art sector, it's so small.
1: Yeah, it's underserved because the quality of the stuff here is some of it's amazing. It blows the hell out of some stuff I've seen in the States.
0: What what I noticed about small scenes is that... um it has the potential to both serve talent and also serve crap really well <laughs> like if if in a small scene uh we have a, D- a dutch saying i don't know if it exists in english right. and uh, in it land there blind is enoch koning so in the land of the blind the a cyclops a cyclone cycl- a cyclops bif- yeah. yeah cyclops one eye is king can be B- king yeah. yeah because he has a one eye so also, uh, part of the mainstream music in the Netherlands is extremely bad because the lack of good alternatives, I think.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, how would you make money? You know, radio royalties for this smaller population are not going to be a major factor. No. Um, the, what is a factor here, and, and what I found out during my research, is that the Netherlands is unusual. They're one of the most... Um, they, they go see live events more than most peoples on the earth. Really? Yeah, um, more of their of your disposable income is is uh, geared towards seeing live events than any other group of people, any other nation on the earth.
0: I never uh, knew that.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't either actually, and I found out about it quite accidentally when I was doing research about something else. But the live sector here is is really important, and mm-hmm. if you think about it, there really is something going on every night, even in small towns to some extent. I say small, I mean like Apple. Uh, Amersfoort versus Utrecht but even in mid-sized towns there's usually a theater in the middle of town like a a live action theater and they usually have bands and and festivals and stuff every weekend Mm. you know it's it's a very much a live music scene here Mm. um, because there's just not the capability to do much with royalties and filmmaking I mean there is some filmmaking and if you can get the job scoring that as a Dutch composer that's amazing but even if you do, I, I, you know, I work at a at a, at a sound, you uh, know, a, a, at a music company, and uh, the Dutch composers they make okay money, but even if it's a blockbuster hit in the Netherlands, you're not going to get rich from that. No, definitely not. You right. have
0: to move to either Hollywood or Bollywood to get. Right.
1: Based. So, so Tom Hulkenberg and yeah. you know people like that. Uh, That's Junkie yeah. XL to us. Yeah. Oh, That's <laughs> yes, right. Martin uh, uh, Garrix and. Uh, mm. These are all LA guys. Of course, mm. I guess they're really Dutch LA guys. Yeah, you know, um, but they had to. Uh, I love that. See, that's the that's that's the sound of tea people. Yeah, um, I think they I think they felt it ineffable to have to move to a, a larger a larger format. That said, the internet is changing that. We hope, and maybe the day will come where if you're super talented, it really won't matter so much where you you live.
0: There will always be a gatekeeper. That's one of the. Things that I think we were too optimistic about with the internet. We say it's the disappearing of gatekeepers. No, it's it's the temporarily um, um, bypassing of the traditional gatekeepers. And now there will be new gatekeepers because there isn't just a new angle.
1: Maybe people are the gatekeepers.
0: Oh, that's a good one people definitely are the gate
1: because now without 50,000 views on your uh, you know Instagram mm. or your YouTube or whatever or a certain number of plays on Spotify um, you don't mean you know it, it doesn't mean anything unless no. you have some numbers behind you
0: yeah I also think it forced the underground underground so to speak because um, everybody can have their niche right so um, where they used to be uh, for the underground they used to need to be as a requirement a physical location to be underground right or a hole in the ground or whatever yeah but now it can be online so it can be really even more underground
1: right that's true and and underground is is really it's it's relative because in my research again doing in music in Holland there's a whole group of these sort of fat middle-aged guys that sing at um, at fairs and yeah. flea markets and stuff in the south in particular yeah and these these guys are selling records these yeah. guys are getting 50 a hundred thousand Spotify pits every year really? yeah these middle-aged women are buying their CDs at the concerts at these at the yeah. markets and stuff it's it, the radio stations are playing it especially during Carnival it's really odd that and that oh, is yeah. just as underground as somebody who's making, you know, uh, you know, really glitchy kind of, uh, you know, crazy EDM. Mm. Or I think
0: crazy EDM is not so underground anymore. No, I guess you're right. I the, mean, the focus has shifted to electronic music as the main form of music. And if you if you get a traditional jam band right. together, people are like, oh, this is really alternative. <laughs> musicians music. For, to us it's musicians music. Right. Fish
1: and, uh, and bands yeah, like this. The band. The band, sure. Bands
0: like the band. And uh, if, if, you, if you're doing that, making music with your friends, people are like, okay, but music is the, the finalized product that I hear on the radio that sounds super commercial and everything sounds the same because mm-hmm. the standards are set. And if it's that, it's commercial and on the radio. And that's what people experience as music. Right. It's like the commercial production. And if you go play music to them, actually play it, literally not play the record, but play the instruments, they will be like, oh, I can see how you really like this. Right. And, but it's not in their mind. Conceptually, it's not the same as listening to music because to to a lot of people I've met, listening to music is playing uh, yeah, as a product on Spotify.
1: Right. But... That's not the way I see it because, and I don't think that's the way that a fair number of Dutch people are seeing it. No. I, I'm, I'm going to throw this out at you. Okay. I would say that the Dutch live music scene is as good as it is because people like to be together with other like minded people, especially the Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you're all enjoying the same thing at the same time, then you have a community. I, I know this because I, for the first time in my life, and maybe this makes me old, I didn't know what a silent disco was. And then I went up to uh, Amsterdam last weekend to hush and there's it's a it's a silent disco yeah. there and uh, oh my god you know it's it's just the most strangest idea because everybody is jamming out but if you don't have the headphones on it's a very it's like a library it's it's just a very quiet light you know nice place that you can buy overpriced drinks but <laughs> but in fact everybody is rocking out so i think that that community thing is what makes the live aspect yeah. It's because Dutch people like
0: to be together. Do you, do you think more so than other people? Well... I never realized it's a Dutch thing. I agree with everything, but I never realized it's Dutch.
1: Well, of course it's not. I mean, people like live music all over the place, but just mm. looking at the numbers, like the, the amount of, of money that Dutch people spend going out and, and participating in these, they're higher than anybody else in the world. It would imply that Dutch people are looking for something beyond the music in these experiences, mm. you know? Plus, I like the fact that um, when, when when I'm out hearing a band like Kensington or something that, you know, they have sort of these established records and everything that yeah. we all know every note of, they at least do get loose on the live stuff and they don't, It's they're not robots. Yeah. They can play yeah. it, you know, a variation of it, an acoustic version of it, an acapella version of it, or yeah. an extended break in the middle or something yeah, like that. they can play it. They can play it, exactly. Yeah. And that is not that common anymore, you know, 30 years ago, if you had a record out, you could play the instrument. Here, now, you know, you mm. might be a technician. You yeah. might,
0: you know. I, I have this opinion, and I will throw this back at you. Okay. That uh, professionalism killed music. And, hmm. and that's not, I don't mean a professionalism of uh, showing up on time, although it helps. <laughs> right. But um, what, I, what I mean is um, standards like, a professional musician always brings a backup guitar that sounds the same like his first guitar. Right. A professional musician is, always has whatever prepared. And right. they're, they're, all, they're all valid ideas. They're not bad. Sure. But if you stack them all up, you get a sort of rules of what to do to ensure the same outcome every time you play. And that killed music.
1: Hmm. It depends on what you're looking for from music, though, because you and I, we're musicians. Yeah. So we like theme and variation. Yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of your 14-year-old girls, they want to hear the song exactly the yeah. way that Justin Bieber played it on the record. Yeah. And if you screw with that, then, then there's a bit of disappointment there. Uh. So I think there's a divide here, too. I would throw out that maybe there's more... Um, it seems to me that a lot of Dutch people play an instrument. I don't know, I don't have any proof that it's more than no. other places, but it seems like maybe one out of three people plays some kind of instrument here. In okay. America it's probably more like one out of ten. Really? Yeah, they, musicians different. are kind of seen as uh, exceptional. Oh, so you can actually do that. Really? Yeah, it's, and so no, it's
0: quite common, as a, sort of as a kid. There are a few requirements when you get your swimming lessons together. Okay. Uh, the, uh, usually after that, right. and that's your parents force you to play an instrument, and your parents force you to play a sport.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. I, I I think you're. I know a few Dutch families, and in my brain I'm checking this, and you're actually you're actually correct.
0: It, it went It went like that for me. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't do sport as as a kid, and my uh, friend started uh, doing judo in the schoolyard with me okay and they were like well it'd be good if you learned the proper fight so you're going to join sure. ju- judo as well and uh, so i had a sport mm. and um it was like yeah i think we-, we should get our children to take music lessons so we went to the no it was me i decided it by the mm. way and when i was eight years old my dad took his guitar out and he sang songs like blowing in the wind sure and uh, hello silence my Old Friend." Right, that's, that's my dad. Okay, and uh, he never did that. And I was. He's music. Dutch, right? He's Dutch. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is see. that's the unifying power of music. Is big. I
0: grew up on American sure. uh, country and folk music, so uh, I was aware of Johnny Cash as my father's favorite artist. Wow. And, okay. Uh, of course, the, the the there's the whole scene around that with Billy right. Nelson. Uh, that's Chinese. classic country my yeah, friend the, yeah the, the, cl- the classic not, outlaws, right, the outlaws right
1: exactly not the 60s country which is that twangy stuff which yeah. is terrible uh, well, I, oh, I it terrible. was so hard
0: for me to listen to at first but uh, it's now sound that's sort of a reference point in my brain right this like 80s music i used to hate the sound of uh, r- records produced in the 80s it sounds shit right and artificial and weird and but now I know this sounds so well that anything I hear something 80s, it's just that, like the reference light for 80s goes on. Right. And, oh, yeah, sure, that's cool, that's 80s. Right. It's,
1: it's, it's intentionally sort of a throwback.
0: Yeah, but if I hear an original 80s record, I don't think it sounds crap anymore. It's It sounds 80s.
1: Right, it sounds like what it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you wouldn't crap on great jazz records from the 40s. Sounds like 40s jazz, bebop, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. and people still play that stuff. I mean, yeah. it, it sticks, luckily. Mm. So there's a couple of different directions we can kind of go with this. Mm. Um, You know, you were asking me before all this began about, you know, so why would people do this for a living and that kind of stuff? And that's a whole discussion. Yeah. And then there's another discussion about how things have kind of changed. So I'm kind of curious to which way you want to go. Well,
0: you you, in your introduction, you uh, mentioned you wanted to do a master's degree anyway, to get one anyway. Right. Why?
1: Oh, this is an easy question to answer. Okay,
0: good.
1: So I worked for the Discovery Channel for so many years. I was basically trapped in a studio for like 20 years okay. and so I was not aware of changes in technology like I should have been okay. you know I I wasn't
0: so you wanted to get updated
1: yeah I wanted to get updated not only like the best software and, and what people were using now but mm. also styles of music you know I mean I kind of came out of my hole and all of a sudden it was you know glitch uh, this is back in 19, 2012 2013 mm. uh, and then you know going towards you know jungle punk and just different genres that i wasn't even aware of mm. and so i felt like if i was going to teach um young people you know about music and not just composing it but the psychology of it and all the rest of it i needed to go to where they were
0: yeah
1: because you know when i was trained in music there was no internet so mm. if you wanted a reference to uh music it was usually classical music and um you know it was it was a long process here you can teach in one class with the internet you can go okay now go to the youtube that shows the tuba player yeah. that's a tuba this is what it sounds like you know and all of a sudden there's a visual audio reference that's kind of hard to forget yeah. and and you learn okay that timbre is a, is a tuba timbre yeah. and you could teach you know the difference between orchestral timbres in a couple of lessons versus an entire semester
0: yeah
1: but, without those references, I mean, we had records and stuff, but you know you had to go to the class and you had to all listen to it together and quiet and you know it was a mm. long, slow process. M- learning music has gotten much faster because of the internet, mm. but like anything, when you learn it quickly, you miss details
0: that's yeah, that's so true. you
1: miss nuance, and that kind of for me defines sort of the the people who are going to be musicians for a living mm. to uh, people who are great hobbyists or fine players, but not necessarily composers
0: so know. why do people pursue it as a career
1: well you know i have a I have a music psychology class, and I talk about you know why is it that uh, that some people and we all know these people are just destined to be musicians they can try to be something else, they can try mm. to hold down other jobs and stuff, but it never seems to matter to them as much as music. Mm. And I take that because um, music is something that gives an immediate positive feedback. If you're six years old and you have a natural talent and you play a sequence of notes that is familiar to people, yeah. you get this very happy reaction from your parents, from your friends, and from your own brain. Mm. Your brain goes, oh, that was great. Look at all this positive response. I'm going to give you a little hit of dopamine. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little, uh, you know, a little chemical um, you know, uh, reward. And, um, and then when you're playing something and you don't play it well, then your brain goes, ugh, and it gives you a little hit that says, hey, I don't feel good about that. I didn't do that well. I want to do that again. And you become sort of, for lack of a better term, really, really tough on yourself. Mm. And so what you end up with is a group of people who have an intense love for music, who get a little high off of music when they play it, who also beat themselves up all the time, because that's the way you learn to be a better player. You can't become a better player unless you, to some extent, have to be critical of your performance. Mm. But that doesn't stop when, you, when it's with the musical instruments. Those people continue to be tough on themselves about their academics and their love life and their family and their personal behavior and all that stuff, which kind of leads to a mental acuity, a, a, ch- a change in, in their mentality that can alienate people. And and then it sort of drives them more into music because music never says no, you know, mm-hmm. unless you can't play it. You know, music is always there for you, whether it's passively listening yeah. or whether you're playing it. It's a friend that never will betray you generally. And so, you know, by the time musicians, people that I knew as musicians, got to their twenties, they were pretty much hooked. And when they weren't playing music, they were doing stupid shit like, you know, taking drugs or being uh, very uh, adventurous sexually or uh, or doing thrill-seeking stuff, you know, um, crazy stuff that you hear about musicians doing. You hear about musicians trashing hotel rooms or, you know, getting into fights and stuff. And I have to say, I take some of that as being a search for the dopamine hit that they're not getting when they're not playing music. Mm. You know, that's kind of my take on it because none of the professional musicians that I know ever kicked this stuff. I mean, I know people who are professional classical composers that are still smoking herb at 70, I guess, Jeffrey's, 78 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's what they used in the 60s to deal with not having the dopamine hit when the guitar was left at home.
0: Uh, interesting.
1: But this is all somewhat conjecture. I mean, it's got some anecdotal evidence here and there to support yeah, yeah. it, but there's not been a lot of studies about this.
0: I do, re- I, I do recognize some things about for myself, and I do, rec- uh, I do miss some things. One of the things that I never had, and that's maybe the most crucial thing for me, is I, I wasn't a natural right off the bat. Mm-hmm. so. I didn't get, like, oh, you play a few notes, oh, it's familiar, it's nice, and mm. give you the dopamine hit. It was more like uh, a struggle to get to learn the instrument. Mm. I'm not an avid practicer as well. So what what
1: kept you... St- st- you know, do you mind me re- re- yeah, turning yeah, t- yeah, the tables sure on? Sure, yeah, so, yeah. so what made you, uh, since you weren't getting uh, immediate satisfaction... I've, n- I've never
0: really known, and that's part of why I'm doing this podcast series, but... Uh, Part of it is uh, you got hit initially, like bitten by the bug, Mm -hmm. when I was eight years old. uh, No doubt, music
1: is cool. Nobody doesn't like music. Find me someone who literally doesn't like music. It's extremely rare.
0: Yeah, that's extremely rare indeed. And we're all very uh, perplexed when somebody announces that they don't (laughs) like music. We're like, really?
1: Yeah, maybe even a little bit of value judgment.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you trust somebody who doesn't like music? No, of course you can't. Or somebody who doesn't like kittens or
1: cats, you know?
0: Yeah, because it sort of <laughs> suggests that you don't have a, a, a fully oh. functioning... No, a fully functioning <laughs> okay. uh, uh, system for, um, uh, how do you say that, uh, empathic... Yeah, uh, you're not... Yeah, empathy. Uh, yeah. Sure. So you, you kind of seem to lag there a little bit. Right. Or understanding the world right like yeah, there's part of the world i don't understand
1: but don't always think that playing music is uh is going to cause that you know you to uh be more in love with your fellow man because people use music like a whore as well uh yeah. teenagers you know everybody knows a guy that can play guitar who learned when he was a teenager because all he did when he was a teenager was being in his bedroom and practice over and over mm. again. Because that was a way to stay away from the world. You know, when you're a yeah. teenager, especially a guy, I think, you know, you're sort of assaulted by all your chemicals and, you know, yeah. all these needs and wants that are not getting fulfilled. But again, you can touch her, your guitar,
0: yeah. and you
1: get the dopamine hit. Yeah. So it takes a little of the edge off the rest of it. For
0: me in high school, that, that, that was certainly the case, because at some point I was the guitarist in high school. Right? Like, oh, it's, it's a thing you
1: can be. Sure, it defines you. Yeah. It's brilliant. And, and yeah. the, again, who doesn't like that?
0: Yeah, well, no. It was, it's very flattering for the ego. And I always suspected that I was just... I was wondering, am I into music because I love music? Or am I into music because I love escaping from the world? Well... And is there a difference? That's now the question that I'm asking.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You I heard that crazy sound. Yeah. What was that? No, it's oh, just something went by. It's, it's, it's okay. Something outside. That is actually that's a really good. I would be interested in asking my friends some of that. That was not a question that came up on my surveys because you know I asked a bunch of people when I did this research about yeah. their personal experiences, and that's why I came up with the 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 lecture that I did because I I found that it was a case. What I, you know, didn't have to deal with was the really negative consequences. I mean, none of my friends died because of an overdose. No. But God knows we've lost a lot of musicians at a very young age because um, of this.
0: Type. A, lot, and, and a not, lot of my friends get, did, most of my friends are musicians or my social network. Sure. Those were all musicians. And most of those people, they, um, and they have sort of, you can see in their face that they drink a lot. Yeah. Because music is sort of the only job where you sort of Expected to drink on the job, right?
1: It's the you know it's funny how the double standard is amazing. I talk about this a little bit in the lecture. I thought if if you found out that your pilot had just had a joint before you know yeah. driving the plane, you would be none too happy. Or the, the, the <laughs> yeah. surgeon had just done a line of coke. Yeah. But either of those things with the musician, you just paid thirty five bucks to see, and you're just fine with it. Yeah. Hey, hey, where's mine? Where's my yeah. hit? You know, let's go backstage.
0: Or or Where, even the the musicians weren't drinking. Right. What kind and they, they of they seem to want to go to bed after the show? Right? That's such a bummer. Right. So right. So you much lo- there's an
1: expectation like, hey, come on back here, let's do stuff. Yeah, which is,
0: you are the party.
1: You are the exactly, and you and your crazy antics, uh, regular people hmm. uh, can sort of uh, live vicariously through that. You yeah, know, they yeah,
0: you really enjoy it, and for for one night, uh, you just sort of join the train of madness that the artist is on.
1: Right. Exactly. But you know, if you know their art, I mean. I'm only going to use her because she's super famous now. Billie Eilish, yeah. you know, you can hear in her songs this is a gifted person that has a lot of struggles, yeah. but she's just happens to perform it in such a way where we can all sort of identify with it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I find that the the further away from this personal music you get, the less of this that you get. So yeah. weirdly, classical musicians, in my experience, are not quite like this because there it's not it. I don't know what it is, but classical musicians seem to keep their lives together a bit more than, say, pop, dance, rock, soul, you know, even, uh, I would even say singer-songwriters and folk musicians. Mm. Yeah. Um, And I'm not sure why. Is there something about the composition process that causes this? Because, you know, classical composers... They they're not composing. They're playing an interpretation yes, of something that's, already
0: done. That's right. But what do you think? Do I you... think they're definitely very very different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can put a bunch of uh, pop musicians in a room and a bunch of classical musicians in a room. Right. And y- you don't have to ask them to raise hands to figure out uh, which is which. <laughs> so they're definitely different mu- uh, different people. And that that and also the way uh, if you go to a classical conservatoire to uh, check out uh, how the schools organized and how the students are right. versus a uh, 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 contemporary uh, popular uh, music uh, environment, you will find out that it's organized very, very differently. Yes. And also, like you said, the playing of the music is very, very different because one group of people, the classical, interpreted, uh, interprets work, they recite work, Mm -hmm. Um, that's that basically right and the other ones are the ones um, entering the chaos to find new things (laughs) right right and and that's and that and maybe there's uh, a hint of the difference why uh, presumably classical people keep their act together yeah they are not looking for they're not dealing with chaos that much they're dealing with something that's already there and i Right. I would suspect that if you would take uh, psychology uh, personality tests, something like a big five test on uh, musicians, Mm -hmm. that you would find that um, classical musicians are more conservative and less open.
1: Perhaps. It's funny because when we were um, going, you know, where you and I went to school is separated into sort of. Uh, Pop and rock musicians are in one school And the sort of classicals are in the other And there was always disappointment When you pulled those two groups together Because Mm. you get the classical guy Who would come into a a session uh, To do, say, some strings on a pop song Mm. And they would be immediately disappointed That the sheet music hasn't been written out for them And then, so they're a little unhappy And then the producer of the pop song is a little unhappy Because just play something You know, just listen to it and play something Like everybody else who does pop music does yeah, you know, but 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 they don't understand that a, a viola player does not do a lot of improv. No, there's not a lot of you know theme and variation no. uh, for the violist. So you know, uh, unless they're moonlighting doing like uh, you cafe music from the '30s, yeah. you know, with the little jazz thing, you can, you can get a little bit of you know viola or or even violin or fiddle, a little bit more accurate on those things. But you know, so I think that there is something about this. Putting yourself out there, you know, when you're a, a creating musician, a composing musician, whenever you write something, particularly with lyrics, mm-hmm. you're kind of putting yourself out there for yeah. judgment. This is why I don't write lyrics. I'll, I'll reveal to your podcast audience, I have less than 30 songs that have lyrics. And it's not because I can't write lyrics. I can write lyrics fine. I just don't want to. I don't want people to know what's in my head, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not brave enough to share that
0: interesting yeah like singing and is scary for most yeah. musicians right and that's because an instrument is like you're playing a machine yeah you put it pushing in buttons and something comes out and that's cool and you're you get uh, complimented on your skills on pushing the buttons <laughs> and uh well, you can really feel good about yourself, but <laughs> right. if you start singing, you have to do something. It's right. you doing something. You put, yeah. You, you are sounding beautiful. And if you play piano, you're pushing the right buttons to make the piano sound beautiful. Right. That's sort of the conceptual difference, I think, with singing. And I never realized, but apparently with lyrics as well.
1: Right, yeah. I, the,
0: I, do you write lyrics? I can't sing at all. Okay. Oh, so like, I, I can sing, but I can only sing ugly. So uh, I don't I don't sing and I don't like music uh, with with vocals in it, which is absolutely true. Not true because I listen to ninety percent of what I listen to is music with vocals. So but I and I but the
1: music you make rarely has vocals. Never never has vocals i've never made any yeah well yeah. i'm in a
0: band so the the singer of the band makes vocals but right right if, if it were up to me but there
1: there's be- a big difference my friend you know your friend in the band going up to the mic and singing in front of those people you're back there going thank god it's not me you know mm-hmm. because
0: i'm i i use my guitar to sing Right, I, I use the guitar as a mainly as a solo instrument. Right, I don't play much rhythm guitar. I'm not so interested in that.
1: Interesting, because most people do the opposite. I can only play rhythm. I can't play shit for for um, for solo. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, and barely rhythm at that. Really, I mean, just I don't. I can't make my fingers. I'm a pianist mostly. Yeah. I can't make my fingers change chords in time fast enough.
0: So but that's a rhythm problem. Right. If you played lead, it would be no problem because you could re- play really but, sparse phrases. And well,
1: that's true. I could, I could Dave Gilmore, you know, just like yeah. four notes for the... You know. I, I love
0: Dave Gilmore. I do too. And I, I really, really despise, and this goes back earlier to uh, your introduction to why people uh, get addicted to playing music. I really despise music that's technical for the sake of being technical.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: I, well, I, it, some people
1: do, some people don't. It, it's, it, it's, it's not a big problem these days, honestly.
0: Uh, being technical for it. No, people love it. And uh, and that's it's something that frustrates me as an artist, not as a musician. But as an artist, I feel um, music is a way... It's, it's a, it, it is a way to say something that matters. And, right. And if you fill that up with doing something that's difficult like if, if say you you have have some construction done in your kitchen for example okay do you want the construction workers to build a beautiful kitchen or do you want them to build a kitchen that was really hard to build
1: right that's really really good point
0: and um if, if you have both kitchens done and uh, you will go visit them both. Right. both your friends have a new kitchen you go Oh, that's a lovely kitchen. Uh, I would really love to have that. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty really good builder. Okay, great. And if you go to the other guy's kitchen, you go like, okay, wow. yeah, that's a kitchen. Yeah, but it was really hard to build. Like, impressive. I don't care. It's yeah, impressive,
1: imp- but it's not functional, or it's impressive, but it's I not. Don't, I don't want to see Cosmetically elegant. I,
0: I I will. I will. I will respect that craftsman for building such a difficult kitchen but right. it's 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 a non-issue and to me uh, that's the same goes for music and it's 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 a fault that happens during the early music training process because most um, you you get most things taught during teaching and you get most things that are wrong taught during teaching <laughs> so one of the assumptions that i had as a kid when i started getting guitar lessons is the older kids have been uh doing guitar lessons, taking guitar lessons for longer mm-hmm. and therefore they can be play more complex stuff, and therefore they are better and well, you know that, that
1: was true uh, that's true, but my my first music teacher told me scott you 're going to get through three phases the first phase is you 'll play no matter what the instrument is mm. you'll play what you can play, yeah, and then at some point you'll you'll get those down and then you 'll play as much as you can play. Way too much. Mm. You'll really get into finding just the most complicated stuff to challenge yourself if you're an addicted musician like, like you and I are. And then when you're mature, you play what is required. Mm. Which is often not everything and more, mm. but just some simple phrases here and there. So I can always tell when I have students; they're usually in between in one of those three phases. They're yeah. either not—they can just barely play, and they're playing what they can, or they're coming in and they're doing these crazy Randy Rhodes, Al solos, or you yeah. know, just um, you know, Rachmaninoff Second Piano Concerto. Really, I mean, just like the, the most yeah. amazing possible—you know—physically demanding stuff. But at the end of the day, people want stuff that will move them. True. And the one of the failings, I say failings, one of the reasons that bebop maybe is not popular anymore. You know, bebop Mm -hmm, (bitching) very, very difficult to play. Yeah. But doesn't mean anything because if I mean that was a little bit of bebop right there. You won't remember that melody at all because (inaudible) there's no repetition, there's no motifs. The whole idea behind Bebop was a feeling, yeah. a feeling that this could do anything. This is a feeling of freedom, which is why I guess African Americans really clung to this because A, they were great musicians, but B, you know, freedom was a fairly new thing for them mm. and to be able to express themselves. But as far as great music with memorable melodies and stuff like that, not so much. You can't yeah. hum a lot of jazz. No. you know it, it, classic music music that we all know and love comes from a nice balance between you know exactly what needs to be there and not much more
0: yeah what pops into mind is that the jazz standards that we all know and love these days are all only the ballads. ballots yeah yeah that's true so I'm one to watch green. over
1: me yeah yeah funny
0: Valentine right and uh, if you Early bebop, like the Charlie Parker bebop. Yeah, salt
1: peanuts, salt peanuts. That's really not on the charts nowadays. It's not on the charts, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but
0: but, I don't know. Taking the the
1: A is probably not going to be heard on the radio anytime soon. No,
0: because it's all (laughs) right, right? Exactly. And nobody cares anymore because when it was invented, it was like this is this this stuff is radical. Right, and now it's. Like, okay, uh, cool, we, we had that period. And right. uh, the only conservatory students are playing that sort of music anymore.
1: But, you know, the thing about it is the drug-addled Charlie Parker, you know, was amazing. You know, as yeah, far as a technician, he was amazing. amazing. You know, and also, so... Also,
0: I would say as a musician as an innovator and as a... Uh, uh, innovator
1: the whole group the, the whole Dizzy Gillespie John Coltrane you know all these guys and there's about a hundred of them tape. yeah art, uh, you know we could go on and uh, just uh, the Ethiopolis <laughs> Monk and uh, yeah, these just classic guy they all had addiction problems and they were all playing at the top of their game you know And so I think for them, it was a a way to define themselves against what they had been. I mean, you know, now we go, oh, he's the first person in his uh, family to go to college. And that's why we're proud. But back in the 30s, you know, we're 50 years out of slavery. If you include Jim Crow laws, fifty years is not; long. it's within a generation. Yeah. So having you know your father, brother, sister, whatever, be famous for being able to do this, be on the radio, be heard by millions of people—that that's you know that's a peak experience, and that's music offered that to Black people. Black people were not running companies; were not you know do, they weren't even allowed in the army to some extent until World War II. Mm. Um, but but playing music really well that could get you on the map. That could. The biggest paycheck, I remember teaching this, uh, there was a, a jazz vocalist named Bessie Smith, mm. and she was the highest paid woman of her day. And she wow. was a black woman in the 1930s. Yeah. And she was making more than, you know, the, the, the people, uh, the De Beers diamond fortune, that was run by a woman. She was making more than that. She was making more than the wealthy people, the the, the ladies in the Rockefellers and all the, wow. yeah, the Sikorsky uh, crystal people, all that Bessie Smith was making serious money because she could do something nobody else could do.
0: Yeah! Wow. So I would like to take this break to uh, hop back. Okay. To um, um, the you sent me some uh, material that I read. Yeah. Right. About uh, and that was about um, the psychology stuff that we talked right. about earlier. Why music? People do music, and I uh, I told you that I. Recognize some bits of it and not others, mm-hmm. which which is really interesting to me because I always felt like an imposter as a musician. I've so
1: identified did, several of them while we've been talking. Yeah. You know this connoisseurship.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's a- what I wanted to get to. So you you made you said mm-hmm. uh, you wrote the artist's mind uh, takes two differently. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that, and uh, you had uh, five examples, and I take all five for sure. Sure artists are impulsive sure and uh name my- an
1: artist that is not impulsive that's worth a shit that's that was you know that's my that's kind of my thing which i have to say i was doing a live um as, when, as opposed to dead <laughs> i was i was doing a live lecture and um i had a uh a, a Chinese student. Mm. And, uh, and they, they made a really interesting point. You know, that Chinese people, especially musicians, were pretty conservative even now. Yeah. And then she looked at me and she says, Yeah, name a famous Chinese musician. And she stared at me and was like, Oh my gosh, I've been in the industry for 40, 50 years. I, c- I can't name a famous Chinese musician.
0: Mm.
1: There aren't any because they don't put themselves out there. Interesting. The, 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 the culture does not allow them to put themselves out there quite yet I think you're going to see a real renaissance in Chinese music soon and if I were investing in the music industry, investing in China, because they just got a copyright law, too, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, a couple of, de- a couple of years ago, they, they have finally instituted a copyright law, which means you could actually maybe make some money mm. at some point in, in China. But China uh, Chinese music is very traditional, very derisive, uh, meaning you know it's sort of yeah. created from something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there is certainly pop music in China, and it sounds like Western music that's been adapted. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of culturally significant musicians in China because it's not allowed, you okay. know, but anyway.
0: So why do you think artists take, no, this, this is, the, the, the question is the other way around. Okay. So artists take uh, stimuli different, right. they, so what, what does that mean for the artist? You for
1: mean that they see the, the world the differently? Human? Well, I think, I think that, you know, the one of the things that I, that you probably read about was alienation yeah yeah, um you know, musicians who are really good, who are kind of obsessed with music are generally alienated from uh, a lot of people um, just because they have a relationship with their instrument and their music that's rare and yeah. it's kind of hard to share mm-hmm. um, with uh, I guess particularly you know family uh, and stuff. I mean, you can be supported by your family, but it's there's a conflict because if you're out on the road and stuff, then you know your family wants you there for funerals and and birthday parties and stuff like that. and then you've made this decision to prioritize music ahead of them. And that's, that's, there's an adaptation there. So there's an alienation thing. You can kind of be, uh, you kind of pull away from your family because you know that you're hurting them a little bit, and then they kind of pull away from you, and then you end up with these sort of loneliness amongst musicians is, is reality. I've, yeah. I've noticed this a lot. Uh, I don't exactly know if I could prove it, you know, with chemicals or, uh, you know, like measurements or something, but most musicians that I know, the better they are, the more lonely they are.
0: Interesting. I have a theory about uh, the role of the artist in society. Oh. And for me, the art—I always compare art, uh, the artist to uh, the person that is uh, looking from the outside in through the window. Mm-hmm. And then reporting back on what he saw.
1: That's a really good. I really like that. I think. I think you're dead on. I think yeah. that's exactly what a good artist should do. Is and be. So,
0: but but that also that's great because everybody loves to hear your opinion and they uh, find value in what you saw because they experienced what you saw. Right. So it matters to them, but it does mean that you're always outside.
1: Well, that's why most musicians. Kind of dressed a little crazy, sometimes the hair is a little nuts, you know, especially young artists yeah, and part of the way reason they do that is is they're kind of speaking for the for the people who love their music but are not in a position socially or psychologically to be that out there yeah. and, and I think we look for that from our I look for that for musicians to say what needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Uh, without having blowback, without going to jail, without uh, without having to suffer consequences, you know, you can say stuff in a song that if you said as a public figure that you they'd put you in jail, absolutely. You know, yeah. um, back in say so like in the '40s, mm. you know, Lady Day, uh, uh, she had the song "Strange Fruit." Okay. If, if you know it, and um it's about lynching in the south, strange oh. fruit on southern trees hanging drifting in the breeze. this is awful, strange fruit it's awful to me and this is this is lyrics you know that you, if you had gone you know and talked about this as a as a politician about yeah. the lynching of black people in the South, you're setting yourself up for a real conflict
0: yeah for sure but
1: she totally got away from it. You know, she got away with it uh, because uh, she's a musician. And and we looked for that from our musicians. You know, all of the 60s were propelled by the music of the 60s. Yeah. Times, they are a changer. You know, Bob yeah. Dylan. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that happened in the 80s were propelled by the 80s. You know, relax, don't do it. Just, to, you know, the, if you look at the vibe of what the songs are saying, they're a direct reflection of the times. Even now, I mean, it's not stopping now. Yeah. Uh, did you see the Dave performance at the Brit Awards? Dave is a rapper.
0: No, I didn't.
1: Amazing performance on the Brit Awards. I have to put in a little plug. If you just why was it good? Uh, because he really said a bunch of things that need to be said, including that um, that Boris Yeltsin was a racist, which is true, and he okay. said it, you know, in front of tens of thousands of people in, on national television because he could, because he's not running for office, because he doesn't have to worry about his next movie. He mm. does it because that's what people expect him to do. Mm. You know, he's an, he's an artist there to tell the truth.
0: And when
1: was this? Uh, this is only a couple of weeks ago at okay. the, the 2020 Brit Awards. Uh, and the rapper is named Dave. Uh, he has a beautiful, it's like a five-minute piece that he performed, but it's amazing. It's a, it's a, and maybe there'll be a clip of it right now that you can find on the internet. You can play a little bit of yeah. it. Have you, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's outstanding. I will
0: definitely look it up. He has
1: this white piano. And he's showing movies of what he's talking about on the white piano as he's playing and rapping. Mm. So it's very stark and very interesting. And it's all about the role of black people.
0: So what do you think about art? This is going to be a little detour. uh, Sure. uh, About art and propaganda. Is there a difference?
1: Well, yeah, there's definitely a difference. I mean, propaganda has that intent behind it. Mm. And I, you and I both know that not all art even has a particular intent behind mm. it. There's not a thought through intent. Somebody says, oh, that looks cool. I'll make that or something. Yeah. Um In Bosch, they have the, the Nazi art exhibit at the, uh, the museum there. <laughs> yeah. And so it's in a design museum. Mm. And uh, and so they talk about the great design of this, and it's very artistic, but it's also Nazis. It's yeah. also propaganda. So through that lens, it's all horrifying. You know, if it wasn't in that lens, it'd be super cool and interesting. These kind of you know eagles that are very you know sort of uh, austere and 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 very yeah. sort of intimidating. You know, sort of icons and and stuff that you know they have lots of. It's really a lot of it's sort of neoclassical. They used a lot of leaves and things and, you know, large columns with Corinthian columns and Doric columns. And, you know, in their architecture, you know, the Nazis were definitely affected by the other conquerors, you know, the the Romans and the... the, But that's propaganda. That is art. And the reason it was made was from the beginning was for that purpose. Luckily, I I think that not much art is made that's, that's its sole purpose. I think now, since the 60s, we've been in this singer-songwriter thing where people are talking about their personal experiences. Yeah. And so trying to make bigger questions well, well, answered.
0: For me, I'm, I'm almost a bit... Um, I bring it up because I'm always suspicious of political art. Mm. To me, political art is not art, it's politics. That's true. And um, but I'm making I'm making a statement on my own position here. It's not. It's not. I'm. I'm which not, is political, uh, by the uh, way. Which is political? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I'm. I'm very political about my art being not political. Right. I want. Uh, I want art to express. To venture in expressing the things that have not been expressed yet.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And um, therefore. Um, Art critiquing society. Just like yeah, I, yeah. I get it from the uh, person outside looking in kind of thing, but mm-hmm. it's sort of it's your. It, there's not enough space in in between. It's too one on one. You can go. You can. That's sort of what opinion makers do in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. They they write an article uh, saying how crazy. Uh, something is that's happening in society and go okay this is an opinion right? but what I think artists are supposed to do is look at society and do something with that instead of just saying so I'm I'm, I'm kind of before I see it attacking the, the whole uh, event show performance that you just uh, um, suggested to me because um, I haven't seen it yet so I will Right, but, but but so so it's I'm just sort of but, but guessing it's up in well,
1: the air. But What did you say has total value? I mean, you know, absolutely. Dave's performance was a political statement, and if you went there just to to enjoy music, you know, the collections of tones together that's made to give you a feeling, mm. then that interfered with that. And you, you admitted that you don't write a lot of uh, music that has lyrics in it. No music. Be- lyrics. That, okay, see that completely your attitude completely jives with who you are as a musician but somebody like Billie eilish is the exact opposite they i she really is all about her lyrics and Mm. the music seems to be a distant second if you listen to the actual song i mean you know the actual musical content is completely subjugated by the lyrics
0: yes but i think i that's a critique i have of Billie eilish that her lyrics are
1: too powerful
0: too much expression of teenage angst, and uh, oh,
1: well, that's who she is, though.
0: Well, that, that's that's fairly immature,
1: right? I mean, but 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 uh, there's, there's a group for that, there's a group that needs to hear that, sure. Though.
0: But, um, take for example, uh, somebody that I consider a good lyricist, uh, that doesn't necessarily fall into the trap of writing about their own frame of reference, for example, Tom Waits, okay. And he is Fantastic. definitely an outsider looking in. Yes. And he writes about that. Yeah. Very sarcastically often, but it it's not a sort of I'm the outsider looking in, and I'll tell you everything that's wrong, and this is my problem with the world. Right. And there is, there's this artistic interpretation that makes it so much more valuable, so much more timeless.
1: But you know, Tom is really honest, so I never get the feeling when I'm listening to a Tom Waits song that he wrote it for any other reason except to exe- express himself. Yeah. I never feel like there's a political agenda behind it, even if it happens to have a political agenda. But
0: yeah, it's often, there, there's, he often takes strong stances on things, but it's...
1: Right. But it's all personal.
0: It's personal, and he's, yeah. and he's
1: not saying you ought to feel this way. Or so is that
0: what boy. you meant by from the from the sixties? You get a personal right. experience in the, in the songs. Right, right, and it, it, that's the light in which you see Billie Eilish her uh, accounts of the world. Right, right. I and see it, Billie We Eilish. hope
1: that that grows with Billie, by the way, because that's who she is now. Mm. She truly is a seventeen-year-old girl. Is that young? Yeah. So, so no, I would really. not expect anything more from her at this oh, point really? now if she were 25 and she were writing this i'd be a little disappointed i thought
0: she was in her 20s yeah if i was uh she that, it, if she's that young yeah
1: she's no. literally 17 years old she oh, can't wow. drink <laughs> <laughs> when she goes out she, they have to watch that you know oh uh, wow uh, but if she turned in 30s and she was still writing this stuff Um, You know, Adele, to me, is a really good example of an artist that's grown In that her first album, you know, 21, I think it was Or maybe it was 19 um, Has songs that, when you listen to them in in the right frame of mind Can sound a little teen angsty By the time she's writing the latest album That's all gone, and it definitely is a a woman A young woman, uh, you know, making her way through relationships Mm. and stuff I mean... I don't have a problem with the lyrical content of almost any song because that's their expression, and mm. and and if I'm if I'm going to be critical of that, I'm just being an asshole in a way, in that I don't want to, you know, subjugate or or deprive them of their ability to express themselves. You know, if you don't like it, just don't listen to it. Uh, yeah, but
0: you don't you don't you you don't have to stand there and go oh that's great. You know? Right, At the,
1: on the other exactly. Yeah, so yeah you yeah. sure
0: you can express it, but if it's shit, it's shit. Yeah, it is. And yeah. and, it, and if it's um, uh, never but mind. If, 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 especially, I object to any anything agenda-driven, and uh, because um, then I feel like you're tricking me into something. You're trying to brainwash me. You're giving hmm. me your your moral agenda. Right. Should I adhere to your to your morals because you're a musician because you're famous? Right, right. Who are you to? Yeah, I know. I'm with you. on me. Right. So yeah, I, I totally. I, so I kind of get I kind of get upset about these sort of things because I think it's hijacking of the arts.
1: Yeah, you're always going to have that though because people abuse anything.
0: Mm.
1: So art is not going to be an exception to that. Yeah,
0: but and therefore we as the artists have to be vigilant and call them out.
1: Is that our job?
0: yes because it's it's any it's any crowd's job to uh be self-critical because it's easy to be critical of others yeah and for us as musicians it's sort of it's the world of musicians is our world and sort of it's like kind of it's part of your house and your house is your responsibility
1: right I don't know, you think that there's been, I hate to ask you the questions, yeah. but do you think there's been a change in the way that musicians are perceived in the last 50 years? Uh, I guess that would be hard for you to answer since you haven't been alive for 50
0: years. Yes, definitely. Musicians, sort of, I, I, there are <laughs> certain clear periods. This is not my observation. I learned this from others as well. Right. But, have uh, for example, uh, the 80s really is the era where people are those, like, Verified rock stars, those aliens that uh, touch down on Earth just to right. uh, just and everybody is happy to be in their mere presence for for a moment, and you can really see that on early MTV that whole sure. uh, mentality about what an artist is supposed to be
1: royalty, royalty, yeah, royalty. R- really, and,
0: and that's that's totally gone now. Right, it, uh, that was kind of destroyed by the late two thousands. In the two thousands, you had a sort of. Um, Drove back to the to the to the old school rock star that uh, partied and was uh, uncatchable. Right. But then social media totally uh, destroyed that, and now.
1: Okay, that's. And I was looking. I was trying to figure out like how that got destroyed, and you think it's social media. Yeah, I think you're sort of right in that it definitely demystified... demystified.
0: Demystified. it What what it, it, it did. it, but it also it, cut up the audience, so there's not not no longer. You know, there's, there's one Keith Richard to the whole uh, pop music uh, world. Right. There, there's only one and, that's, and there will never be a second Rolling Stones because that's, uh, that's the only band that survived. That was one of the original bands in the West that uh, created uh, pop music and rock and roll sure uh, and he's the longest standing uh, part of the longest standing band sure and um, they did everything in every um, era that's true and there, there's no undoing that and right. now uh, I think the audience is much more split up so uh, and you see that in award shows they get more and more categories as we speak
1: that's true and
0: uh, so um, there, there's a there's a king of every small group right and when this
1: transition was happening though in the uh, and I agree with you in the in the 1990s what came out of that was I think the uh codivisa- the um, acceptance that I want to say it was kind of codified in the musical um legend uh, uh mythology uh of a more independent uh view of things like mm-hmm. you went from sort of having these mega groups with these you know sort of huge hits and stuff and and you're right through sort of the rock star roller mentality to like the exact opposite like by the mid-2000s people like the dixie chicks and a, and adele people that you could touch yeah. people you know Susan boyle for god's sakes yeah. i'm mean, trying to think of uh uh, sort of Comet uh, I don't know if you know uh, um, Ani DeFranco um, I a couple different time. but but this whole singer-songwriter thing became much more acceptable it oh,
0: yeah, was the era of singer-songwriter
1: right right be, be, as a reaction to the big rock star because the big rock star wasn't possible anymore because record labels just weren't putting millions of dollars into promoting one or two you know bands for me it's interesting how it's Over the course of the last hundred years, I've seen musicians change from being completely dismissed at the beginning of the century to respected once recordings and radio came out in the 20s and 30s. All of a sudden, people got famous and people got paid. Yeah. And that continued on Including black people mm-hmm. uh, In the 40s and 50s In the form of, of jazz And then including Lower end white people In country recordings And, and rockabilly And stuff like that yeah. In the 60s All of a sudden People who were not Particularly You know Were not classically educated Musicians and stuff You know Were really getting famous Then the British invasion And all this stuff So it's kind of gone up and down because then singer-songwriters kind of came in as a reaction to that in the 60s and then they get away in the 70s with disco and punk and all kinds of crazy stuff. But throughout the whole situation, the the uh, credibility of musicians has never been lower than I think it is now. Like, uh, up up until now... You know, musicians were still respected because they had learned their craft. They were popular, and by being popular, that meant something. You know, there, not yeah. all these people would like this if it was not of quality. But now, a lot of people can like stuff, and it's crap because of the way that the Internet and the electronics are are, are passed out, you know. Uh, our music, honestly, God, you, I'm going to get in trouble for this next sentence, so... We'll see if anybody pulls it out. Uh, I would say the the music industry is run by 16-year-old girls. That so, that that that's who's listening to Spotify for 13 hours a day.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm sorry. The rest of us don't have that kind of time. That's true. That's it's true. run by 16 year old girls, and and I, shit, you're not. It's terrible. I mean, if you're an adult, you know, I'm 50, you know, years ish. old, 50 ish years old. <laughs> I I don't have anything in common in in common with the, with what a 16 year old is listening to, unless I I go out of my way to it, which is kind of why I know Billy Eilish, but. I'm not associating with Billie Eilish. I don't feel what she feels. I just mm-hmm. know her from uh, she's making a dent in the industry. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I noticed. Really I know a- what
1: you're talking about. The Taylor Swifts are just you know of the of the world are driving me crazy because it's a 16 year old girl. I mean, I realize she's not, but that's yeah, that, that's your audience.
0: She's my age. She's early 30s. Yeah, then.
1: she. But she's still writing like she's a 16 year old yes. girl because she's still going after that demographic. She, she, she is. She's yeah. not going to be able to graduate out of that. You don't, you're never going to find serious music from Britney Spears. I'm sorry, but if you start out like that.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Is there anyone who did? Madonna?
1: Maybe. Madonna got somewhat relevant, although I'm sure after the William Orbit stuff was pretty cool that she did later in her career, I think by now it might be wearing a little thin. Mm. But um, um, there were probably, you know, Jodie Mitchell never was not respected. So, mm. you know, Adele was never not respected. So, yeah. on that level. Yeah. Adele did start young, and she's grown, and we want to see
0: that. She was really good. She got Fergie. respected for being really good, I think, Adele. When she Exactly. Everybody was like, this girl is good.
1: Yeah, there's nothing about her that's not super professional, you know, but except her personality. You know, if you see her when she's not singing, she is a really strange goofball.
0: Yeah, but that's because of these five... That you uh, wrote down. I and mean, we never got to list them all five. So yeah, let's we'll read, talk about I'll, I'll read them all five before we give any sure. comments. So the, the, the listeners will know which five we are talking about. So sure. the, the mind takes stimuli differently. There are, you uh, mentioned five things. One, impulsiveness. Right. Two, high intelligence. Three, um, what did I write down? <laughs> Go, oh yeah, the connoisseurship.
1: Yeah, conservative. Yeah, that's a really odd term. We'll talk about that.
0: Uh, four uh, alienation, five depression, and six addiction. Addiction. Right. So we talked about addiction. We talked uh, about alienation.
1: Right. Which uh, leads to depression, of course. Which
0: leads to depression. Yeah,
1: all these are things are connected. So, obviously.
0: Yeah. And uh, the, the connoisseurship, that's, that's, that's the odd one
1: out. Yeah, and you know, I, I have to say that's some of my independent research. So I came up with that idea myself, but I found it supported. Uh, the reason so connoisseurship is basically not only do you understand your art, but you see things in other art and music and stuff like that that other people don't see. Hmm. And the way you can tell whether this is an issue for you is if you're constantly talking with your friends about some aspect of a piece of music or art, and they're sort of staring blankly and going, "Yeah, yeah, I get you," but you know they don't. Mm-hmm. That's connoisseurship. That 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 means that you have. Your sensitivity is to the the under you know the subtlety the under, yeah. the underscore you mm. know the uh, the hidden meaning mm. the uh, the metaphors and stuff involved much more so and and you can prove this and I try to do this in my lecture by how many rock stars have these amazing collections of paintings or sculptures or you know this kind of stuff it's not uncommon for musicians to collect something. Mm. Think of all your musician friends. I'll bet you one or more of them, if they don't have another artistic hobby like painting or something, they might collect something, whether it's antique or buttons or you know photographs yeah. or something. Um, and that has to do with organizing art and organizing stuff in their head. But it's something I totally noticed. I mean that um, I, I talked with. Um, I have a list. I talked about twenty-five people when I when I was doing the course. I interviewed them, and some of them were studio heads, and some of them are record label people. And most of them musicians, but every one of them had a strong opinion about art, just like you. Yes. Your opinion about art, I would put to you, is stronger than most of your friends. Yes. You care sure. more. That's connoisseurship. Kind of mm. You can't not care. It's not also within true. you. Also true. Right? Do you understand that's rare?
0: Yeah. Okay. So no, like, not okay. Not really. I wasn't. too It, aware. it totally
1: is rare. That, that that is a rare. To ask people, do, do people do not walk around thinking about st- art the way that you do? Yeah. S- some do, but it is a minority.
0: Yeah. So so stupid way this expresses itself in my life yeah. is I care about the quality of the TV show that I'm watching.
1: Sure. I listen to music. When I'm in elevators, you yeah. know, the, 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 and I get annoyed if it's bad. Mm. You know, like, yeah. even, and it's always bad, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but also the, I will say something to people, my poor, long-suffering brow, Shannon, you know, I'll say, God, listen to that bass on that sound. you think they could have found something better. And she's looking at me like, what well, is an elevator? What are you talking about? It's five I, seconds I sh-. always
0: think... <laughs> do they get paid for this? And if yes, I should make this because I could probably do this in five minutes. And right. I could be rich. I could be rich if I made this crap. This
1: you can make that stuff in five minutes too. You're right. I used to do that. I used to... Uh, I wrote for a company that did uh, cards. When you open up the cards, it play yeah. a little song. Yeah. Yeah, I actually wrote that music. Somebody has to do it. You know, little card song. And yeah, you get paid for that too. But um, that doesn't have anything to do with the the fact that you... And and it's not a coincidence that you're a musician also have connoisseurship. It's just rare. Mm. It's just rare. I T guys go ask them what their favorite bands and stuff, and they'll tell you, yeah, but they're not passionate about it.
0: Yeah, i when noticed this at parties um, when I try to make small talk oh about my. music and you go, Oh, what sort of music do you like? And they're like, <laughs> oh, that's Yeah, so well, that, I don't really care what sort of music. Yeah, it is. isn't
1: that and, and doesn't that make you feel alienated? <laughs> do you see how these all these all these things go together?
0: I, I start pushing. I'm sort of aggressively poking your ribs, so to speak, oh. and and go, I go, oh, do you like this one? Yes, I like this one. Do you like this one? And I pick something opposite. No, I don't like this. So you don't like all music. You like certain music. Right. You just haven't. Um, put into words which is the music that you like but they don't care that but it truly doesn't
1: matter to a lot of these people that's the thing is you can't imagine it not mattering Yeah.
0: but there are tons of people
1: yeah there, there, there's a guy who fixes cars for a living right right up the street it does not care what is on the radio while he's fixing his car you and I would have to have a double approved playlist we'd be yeah. up the night before going okay about now is about 2 o'clock I'll be getting sleepy I gotta do some high energy rock there. I mean we'd be all into it yeah, yeah. they do not care No. and that is the majority of people?
0: I can't work in a pl- workplace where they have the radio on. Isn't that crazy? I can't cannot do it. And right. I, I work a side job sure. in a coffee place, and they have a, a playlist that's uh, standardized. Right. And um, to me, that's the, m- the the most difficult thing about the job, the most challenging thing. Right. Is
1: um, is tolerating the bad art.
0: It's tolerating the bad art. Yes. Ah, see. That's that's the most challenging thing. Right. So, um, there, there's one more yeah. in this thing, in this list, and that's the high intelligence. Yeah. And um, I was so surprised uh, to read that there, wa- that there was found proof, uh, proof yeah, mm-hmm. that um, people are, uh, that uh, care more about music tend to be the pe- people that are more in, higher in intelligence right, than average. Right. So, caring more, and then I thought, but it makes perfect sense because music is a high form of ab- abstraction. Mm. And uh, basically what intelligence seems to mean, mm-hmm. uh, although you can define it in different ways, is, yeah. the, is, the, is, the, is the ability to um, uh, think think about the world in higher forms of ext- uh, abstraction. Mm-hmm. So it makes the sense... The future
1: and the past, uh, the basic ones, and then from that morality, yeah. these are all abstractions that animals have no clue about. No. You know, yeah. so they're completely human. I hear you. I think you're right. So,
0: and that, that makes perfect sense because I, I always uh, like to tell people that music does not exist and sound does not exist. Oh, yeah? From the materialistic point of view. There is no such thing as sound. It's That's just sound waves. You're there, right. There, yeah. there are no sound waves. There are sound waves to you, sir. But they actually are pressure waves, that's I guess I, you're right, you're right there, there is only pressure waves yeah. And it only becomes sound to an interpretive system of consciousness right. And it only becomes music to a form of intelligence
1: Right, and, and how smart do you have to be able to, to, to be To make a living selling air vibrations Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what musicians do yeah. That they sell
0: expensive air vibrations But the same goes for <laughs> storytelling So... Uh, uh, like yeah, but a, a just, story, a story doesn't exist. But exi- well, not from the materialistic point of view. Only from a femen- phenomenological point of view. It, uh, a
1: phenomenological it, uh, point of view. Yeah, Good uh, lord, that sir. That word is a bitch. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. But
0: uh, for, only from that point of view do but, stories exist. Do does music exist? So uh, wow, it, that's interesting. It's still. all levels of extra uh, abstraction, and therefore. Um, I'm not so surprised that people that appreciate these ab- abstractions more tends to be the people that have more ability to appreciate abstractions. Right.
1: We have to put this into context, too. So this started out with an article in Scientific American, I think it was in 1992. Mm-hmm. And essentially they had put together um, a compendium of all the, uh, the literature and the, st- and the studies done to that point mm-hmm. uh, about people's, what people's i q s were when they were tested in school, mm. and then what did they become? What mm. was their job
0: yeah
1: and so they the, the 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 labor department of the United States pays for people to do studies about how much people are making and what are the jobs and what do we need more more nurses? Should we be doing more of that, or do we need more uh, architects? maybe we you know are coming yeah. so, to help sort of balance that stuff yep. out um not coincidentally you know when musicians sort of showed up then we, we just saw more capability it wasn't a lot it was 7 to 10% but we just see consistently higher scores on standardized personality tests like the Stanford-Binet or Minnesota multi personality inventory or any of these sort of standardized tests. We just see a little bump in intelligence. And it was never the case that someone was a musician and was less than average intelligence. You don't see a lot of people who are stupid that are professional musicians. It just doesn't happen. It's
0: so fascinating. It's not
1: possible. And nobody talks about that, because those people do take in music to great effect. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you know about awakenings, or uh, the, the the whole situation that happened in the '70s, um, they started playing music for older people who hadn't spoken, who were in deep states of dementia, yeah. had been non-active, non-verbal for years, and all of a sudden they play music from some era that means something to them. And they are completely animated. They're dancing. Some, some of them spoke for the first time in years. They're gesturing. They're, you know, it, it, it awakens a part of their brain.
0: Yeah, it's so a different it's, part of your brain.
1: It, it's a different part of your brain. So I'm not saying that, if you're, that you can only be a musician if you're smart. No. I am saying that most musicians are smart. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's not required, but most musicians are smart. That makes life a little more difficult for musicians. I wrote in my in my in my thing that Hemingway said, um, um, "What was it? I've never met some uh, a creative person that was happy, yeah, or something like that, something like yeah, yeah.
0: creativity. Yeah I, yeah." I remember the quote. It's not yeah. exactly that. It's, it's not exactly that.
1: that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that's true, um, because um, by virtue of being smart, you understand the challenges that humanity faces and they and and they affect you yeah. if you're a moral person, they affect your morality and you're morally outraged. if you're a financial person you you look at it from that context. if you're a business person from that sort, and indeed as an artist, you're looking at it from that point of view, but yeah, it's uh being smart is not always the happiest person in the room
0: mm. you know it's a good one. Smartest person is not the happiest person in the room yeah there's no correlation okay. Yeah. So um, this is also really an insight in how my brain works because I'm going to be- come back to the previous uh, subject uh, sure. to, to summarize, uh, to close this off.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm coming towards the end of my, my, my window as well. Mm,
0: good. Um, so um, we talked about um, the artist changing from uh, uh, the role of the musician changing and the position of the musician changing from the 20s to the 2020s. Yeah. And um, also on our way to here in the car we talked about um all music being the same that's on the radio right and uh, when we when we were talking about it uh, and walking through the music history i realized the 70s was sort of uh the the epic uh, moment of uh, musical diversity yeah. and musical complexity Probably. and from then on from the 80s it, it became um a more polished product yeah and that's something that's still continuing today, and I think it totally ruined mainstream music because it took over, and that sort of the moment music started to die. And I had prepared a, a a question about that, and because I know you're very opinionated on this subject, <laughs> okay. And um, I, I was wondering uh, because when the eighties happened, what happened was drum computers right. and synthesizers, and that's when uh, the possibility for making a polished uh, uh, product started to appear. Right. So I'm wondering about music technology and real music. Did music technology kill music? Does music technology have the promise of reviving music? Right. Or is playing music dead and has something (laughs) else replaced it?
1: Wow, those are all big questions. You know, so I I think I'll start with an anecdote and then sort of move from there. Uh, I have a friend here in Utrecht who is a uh, uh, an architect, and architects were not using computer aided design until the last twenty years. Mm. But all of a sudden, you could go from uh, an idea to a visualization, pretty much a photograph of what the building would look like, without spending a dime. Yeah. You know, you, they, they used to make models, actual physical models. You know, you've probably seen them in old movies, the <laughs> architects when they were yeah, making... Yeah. Uh, th- that wasn't required after computers. So computers gave them a tool, but you wouldn't say that architecture has been compromised, the quality of architecture in the world hasn't been compromised because of these computers, right?
0: I wouldn't, no. No,
1: okay. So in the same way, you can't say that about music either. Even, and because uh, I was going to say, it... It's crap to you, but it is only crap. To, I won't say only to you, but you have to look at the numbers. So '80s music sounds like '80s music because synthesizers were used. That's why you know you can see some of the reflections of this in architecture too, and everything else that we've mm. graphics. You know, if you look at magazine ads before before Photoshop, they're completely different. Yeah. You know, so everything was affected by this. But, but popularity, you know, you care about a particular level of quality, a, a, a particular standard, but most people don't. So for most people, the 80s represented a real explosion in musical creativity because all of a sudden things were very small. You could put a CD like this, it would last for an hour or more in your car, and gone were the eight tracks and cassettes, so you could listen to a long period of time. And then the internet came out and you could listen forever. You yeah. could put on, you know, a YouTube of an artist and say, play automatically, and it would play music forever. It would stream it forever. The first streaming was way back in the 90s with YouTube, mm. you know, which I guess 2000, 2000. It was, yeah, because we're not in the 90s. but um, So so I have to hedge my bet there a little bit. Um, the question was, who is running the show? Are the computers running the show, or, you know, have we lost control in a weird way? Um Yes, we have. This is an opinion only, uh, because commercial music is in a box. It's in a box that caters to the people who are not us, who don't care as much as we do. Who don't care. They're not, they're, musicians are not what record labels are catering to. 16-year-old girls is what record labels are, care, are catering to. So the, the, the thing that we have also made available by this technology is choice. Back in the 70s, what you could buy with music was whatever a freaking record label put in front of you. That was it. You might be able to record your own stuff on a cassette, but that's it. You weren't making your own. Nobody could afford to make their own records and stuff like that. So somebody else had choice. Now you can make a song, a good song, put it on YouTube, and a friend of yours in China can see it later today. That's crazy. That's crazy choice. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to buy something; he can get it all free off the internet. So, taking the value out of music has taken the guts out of it, in some ways. You know, it's made it so more people can be more creative, but less people can be economically um, successful. So, and I think this is the trend. The trend will be further and further small groups of music, the further smaller subgenres and stuff. And I think you're going to see radio stations continuing to sort of play to the common denominator with occasional exceptions. And then those exceptions will become famous and interesting and stuff. Because there are college radio stations that play diverse stuff. And there are pirate radio stations that play converse, you know, perverse stuff. But for the most part, broadcast is not where you're going to hear the best music. Mm. You know, you're going to have to dig it out. So people who care will dig it out and people who don't will listen to the radio. So if that answers your question, it kind of depends on who's asking the question. If it's the general public, things are great. Yeah. If you're a musician, things are weird. Because you you know what I'm saying? Because because even no matter how good your stuff is, without the support of the record industry, you will not be successful. There's a mythology that you can do it yourself. Yeah, and they uh, you can go on the internet and you can find these success stories, but these success stories are really rare. If you if you count the number of success stories, there's four or five of them, and they keep getting repeated on all these websites. But yeah. statistically, and this is absolutely true, and these are pretty recent real statistics that you can get at the website. 98% of all music revenue is through traditional means. It's through record labels. It's through people you know, who go out and, and seek out particular artists. It's not, it's not any other way. It's not do-it-yourself. You, you're not going to get on the charts if you don't have a record label behind you. You're not going to get on the charts if you have no money behind you. It does not matter how good your stuff is because quality is not the end. Communication is the end. It has to be the most relatable stuff. I know it sucks, (laughs) but this is why, you know, but you you can make a living. Um, I I say you can make a living. You can make music that is crazy and, you know, and really says what you want it to say, but the chances of it being, you being able to make a living at it are really reduced now. You would have never been able to do it either, though. People say, oh, no, it's ruined. But in the 70s, you would have sent your demo and the record company would have gone, oh, my God, this is too political. We can't do this. Or this is too much of a niche market. They're looking for the widest possible yeah. okay. thing. you know. Innovative record labels definitely put out some stuff that, that shifted it one way or the other. And we're really grateful for those record labels. So the ones that came up with punk stuff in the late 70s, thank God for them. You know, or the people who came up with um, the, the new age stuff in the 80s, you might not like it, but at least it pushed the art one way or the other. Yeah. And these were innovative labels that most of whom are not around anymore. Or that's fine. But uh, in the main record industry, it's in a box. I see your frustration. So let me ask you, how, how, does, this, how does this affect you as a musician, how did this knowledge?
0: I'm wondering what to do. Yeah. So the, the, what are the options? What what do I have? Well, I can make the music that I want to make, and regardless of anything, and um, get some other income. Right. But to be honest, there is not really anything outside of the creative arts that I could pursue as a career. And I don't want to get stuck in a side job for the rest of my life. Right. So... I don't really know what to do. I could tr- make mu- commercial music, but that would destroy my soul. So that's not really going to happen. Okay. So I could either accept to be poor. Right. Or.
1: Which has been the lot of most musicians yeah, and well, artists that, in the world. That,
0: that's my life so far. I just <laughs> accepted to have no money. Right. And for now, I've always accepted to have a side job right. from now and then. When necessary. Mm -hmm. But um, what that doesn't fulfill is there is still this question mark of career. What will you do for a career? So I'm diversifying what I'm doing creatively.
1: That is the... Wow. I had my answer all set and you you came up with it. Diversify how you are as an artist. If you're an artist and you're a musician, you have something to say, Mm. you think. And so... You can do that and then use everything else that's now being included. I, I don't want to be so obscure. I'll get more clear. You can use visuals now When, when 40 years ago musicians uh-huh. were not thinking about visuals at all. So you can do that to make, you know, whether it's still visuals or motion visuals, you can decide to align them with your music, or you can have them as the album cover. But you can use them as a way to further your communication. Will this make you a successful artist? I would put to you that in 20 years, there won't be any huge successful artist. There'll be lots and lots of middle successful artists. Mm. Because there'll be enough...
0: That's good enough for me, by the way. I don't yeah. need to be be successful. Well,
1: so if you want the key to success for that, then I have it. Okay. Um, uh, this, is, this is just experience yeah. and managing different bands and stuff like that. Uh, the key for an artist to make a living as an artist is to be an artist all the time. And that means you must perform live. You have to. Mm-hmm. And when you do perform live, you really have to give something of yourself. You have to give something of yourself that's vulnerable that can be criticized, that is a bit unusual. You will earn the respect of people, and that small group of people that comes to see you at every gig, eventually those gigs will get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, and then some people will want recordings of this, and it builds in a very organic way from the people who love you and that you love. You have to do it with love. I would put to you that music is love, and the reason I would say that is because if you don't communicate with somebody, you don't care, which is the opposite of love. So if the opposite of love is not caring, then caring is love and communicating is love as well. And music is the only reason that music exists on the planet. The only reason is to communicate. That is what it does. That is its particular and only job, whether it's in the animal kingdom or its people. Bird songs, they're there to get fucked. You know, lions are there to roar. When they roar, that's music, and they're warning you. Music is communication. So you, as an artist, have to connect on a person-to-person basis with your fans. This idea of huge crowds following you around is not gonna work anymore. But if you've got 50 people who will pay anything to see you that will support any endeavor that you do, you might can make a living. It's just kind of that simple. There's a band called Jody Moon, and I hope they won't be angry. I'll use them as an example. Um, They're uh, from Maastricht, I want to say. It's a a male, as female. She is a fantastic vocalist, very unusual. He's an extremely good producer. They've got maybe eight records out. They've been doing this for 10, 15 years. They've been on television. They've been on the charts a little. But they can't get anywhere with it. And the reason they can't get anywhere with it is the music that that they're playing is kind of Cafe music for lack of a better terms kind of low sort of mm. singer songwriter sort of low-energy stuff That doesn't lyrically take any chances They don't mm. open themselves up to anything You know, it's all sort of little stories that don't mean a lot and stuff like that And when I uh, they hired me to tell them, you know, what why isn't this working and when I told them this um, You know the reaction was mixed because I think that they knew it was true And that's the sad thing is that you you have to put yourself out there and be prepared for the hit because that's what people respect. You know, they respect that you will go, you know, that you are confident about what you're doing enough to make and stick by, you know, whatever you're doing. It's hard. I mean, this doesn't doesn't guarantee success, but I can guarantee that you will not be successful if you don't do this for the long term. Thank you. That makes any. Does it make sense?
0: It perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. It resonates totally.
1: And I can prove to you, by the way, that the that the record industry knows this. How? The Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. What you see there is not bands, but individual yeah. singers. ...who go out there and they pick songs or create songs that are emotionally vulnerable. Most of these performances, mm. you know, are are, in, are made to have an... They're not there to rock out and dance to. They're there to get you to cry, to smile, to remember something. You know, if you watch the Eurovision stuff...
0: I will watch it this year. You, yeah, yeah, well,
1: you should because it'll be in Rotterdam in May. I mean, so... Oh, so really? Yeah, it's hosted yeah. here in the Netherlands, and that's, that's why it's a big deal. But all these people are putting themselves out there. And th- the whole show is about putting yourself out there. They always have a part where, you know, Billy, uh, well, we'll use a different example, you know, uh, Johnny uh, isn't just a musician, he's also a survivor. In 1965, his father was killed along with 15 other people, and, you know, he was yeah. an orphan. You know, they give you this life story on this yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, but part of that is trying to, A record Label knows what I know, is that you now have to connect with people individually, is trying to make that happen. So they have to give you this backstory mm. to make the fiction, if it is, you know, the, to make the story something that people can relate to and identify with. Because people are now super fans. Have you heard this term? Yeah, I heard it. Before. Yeah, I'm the, a super fan. And the super fan is a fan that will buy your vinyl even though they don't have a record player. Yeah. who will buy tickets to concerts that are not even they're, that they're not even going to for friends and stuff because yeah. they're in a different area. Who will you know email you questions about lyrics and stuff you know, who who are really into you as an artist because yeah. they're not an artist. Yeah. You're their spokesperson. You're the guy. Way back in the beginning of this podcast, we said, you know, somebody's got to go out there and, t- and take the hit yeah. to say all the shit that needs to be said.
0: Yeah.
1: It's still true. It's the same thing.
0: Yeah, go do it.
1: But people aren't doing it. You're so, Ronnie Flex is not a political... Per- you know, Mon is not a political person. These yeah. the, the music coming out of these people is just fine. But it's not going to be around in a year. No, Nobody it, cares.
0: It's it's the people that are... They are artists because they can't fit in.
1: Right. Tom Waite was a great example that yeah. you gave.
0: Yeah. Tom, Tom Waite can't sing with shit.
1: He can't, not at all. But at the same time it doesn't matter if you're into what he's doing and what he's saying. Yeah. You know, Randy Newman is one of my favorites. He also can't sing. Mm. But I love the content of the songs, the sarcasm and stuff like that mm. enough, you know. And I think that you as an artist who does instrumental stuff, you have a even bigger challenge because you kind of have the choice between either being like Super amazing musically, so that at least musicians get into you. Oh my god! Did you hear how he was able to do? Play I'm Not that.
0: doing that. Yeah, I'm not playing for musicians. Or
1: go to where everybody else is. You have to instrumentally move people.
0: Yes, that's that's what what you what you were saying. The thing what I was thinking now that um, the everybody can put their music on the internet. The right. thing you have to do is make something that matters to other people.
1: Right. That's, that's exactly it.
0: And that's that's the people are the gatekeepers thing. Yeah, it you is. You have to make something that matters something to the other people. And why does something matter uh, to the other people? It, it has to communicate something and right. it has to be true. Right. It has to be vulnerable. Because right. if you're not vulnerable, you're uh, communicating niceties. Yeah. Niceties don't matter. Right. Yeah, they, they matter, but not in that way. Yeah. Uh, what matters is if you truly be able to... I don't know, Co- uh, be able to communicate something of your soul, put that into, the, into your music, and then pe- people yeah. can feel that out.
1: Yeah. So in our last minute, let me ask you, do you, you have a favorite uh, author, someone that you read?
0: I don't read that much because I'm... Uh,
1: or maybe a filmmaker I can expand it to that because your generation is also filmmakers.
0: I do not watch films that much. I like Jim Jarmusch.
1: Sure, okay. So most people though have a have an author or somebody yeah. that and and you know, when they come out with a new book then they go and buy it because they love that author. Yeah. you know. So for me, it was Clive Cussler. Some people, it's Bill Bryson. Sometimes it's these people make murder mysteries. Stephen King is very, con- you know, whenever he puts out something. I like it. William Gibson. William Gibson, yeah, fine example there. And and if they came and they were doing a lecture at Utrecht, if William Gibson was doing it, you would go. I'd be there. And, you would, and if it was Bruce 20.
0: Sterling, same stocks.
1: And if it was you, if you had to pay 20 euro, you'd go to it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, and if he was selling a book that was not available anywhere else for I'd 20 guess. euro, you'd buy it. That's because you have a personal relationship with that artist. Exactly, I mean precisely exactly the same thing that I need That I need from you as a musical artist. Because I will then also go to your concerts, I will go and support you in every way possible, I'll buy your vinyl without a record player.
0: Yeah. It's the
1: same thing, you know? So yeah, it's the same. I have my little friend in the pocket.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about all this crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I love this. Uh, well, as a closing remark, I wanted to tell you that I probably grew up on your music because I watched Discovery Channel a lot as a kid. Yeah,
1: it's possible. So
0: I I must have heard. If so you, many, did you watch so Walking
1: with Dinosaurs? <laughs> this is the one where they did the animation of yes. the dinosaurs. I just a fair amount of that kind of stuff, you know, or Top Gear or uh, those. I crazy. watched
0: a lot of Top Gear. Yeah,
1: yeah, all that stuff is in the library. They keep using it over and over again.
0: Yeah, so I must have heard somebody. I'm pretty so many sure you missed the minutes of your music growing up.
1: It's true. Well, you know, um, it, it did what it was supposed to do. But I was I was not a courageous composer. So I have respect for you. If you, you know, I, I was never trying to be known. I was never trying to express anything. I was trying to help somebody else express something. Mm. So I would look at uh, a picture and I would I, go I ahead. can't
0: I can't help to take the route that I take. Some some friend once told me I oh, have so much respect for how fearless you're facing uh the insecurity that and still taking this route. Yeah. It's like you don't have, there's zero bravery involved. Yeah. I have no option. It, this is
1: but it seems really brave. brave. Even me even now it seems brave. It
0: is stupid. It's profoundly stupid. But I do it anyway. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Such a pleasure. Thank you.
0: I had a great time doing this podcast. Me
1: too. Good luck.